0: Uh, Just a little over a week ago, I noticed that the U.S. dollar has strengthened over and against the Mexican peso. So since it went up higher than it did for some time, I thought maybe i would go ahead and exchange some money. Now i missed the peak, but by the time I exchanged, it was 19.52, which was much better than it had been under 19 for quite a while. And I was thinking, you know, this is really kind of a bargain. Then only about three hours later, I was checking again, and the U.S. dollar had dropped. And it was only worth about 19. So it was a bargain. I got in at just the right time. For the last several weeks, Pastor Bill and I have been talking about the great question that Jesus asked. And I think it's important to look at what Jesus said. You know, Paul's way. Paul is inspired to do his writing. Jesus gave not inspiration, but revelation. And it's important, I believe, to focus upon the words of Christ, which is what we're trying to do. Today, the question that Jesus asked is, what shall it profit a man if he will gain the whole world and lose his own soul? And what will a man give in exchange or is so great question? He begins this discourse by talking about becoming a disciple. That's what we all want, isn't it? Become a disciple of Christ. And as he begins here, he talks about the cost. Because becoming a disciple always involves some kind of sacrifice. Now, we don't really like the sacrifice in our lives today. We don't want to give anything up because that's why we came down to eat and enjoy it all. To have all the pleasure that we possibly could. And so sacrifice doesn't always sit well with us. But Jesus said in Luke 14 33, If any of you does not renounce all, then he cannot be my disciple. When you become a Christian, it's like a sheet placed in front of you with a dog line. And you sign over that you are going to be a disciple of Christ. And you say, well, what does the contract involve? It involves everything. Whatever Christ asks you to do for the rest of your life, you belong to Him. And Jesus said, in order to do this, you need to count the cost. talked about a man going to build a tower. And if he starts to build a tower without knowing how he's going to pay for it, he might get partway through that, to stop. Oh okay, the that seems to happen a lot when i here. <laughs> <laughs> but it's important to know that there's a cost to following Christ. And he said, don't even begin the journey unless you're willing to pay the cost. And he gives three things to do here. First of all, he says, deny yourself sacrifice. Denial is all that popular with us, and I believe it. Sometimes people think that giving up useless things is denial. I grew up in the Southern part of Christianity, and most of the people were Catholic, and they were to give something up. And I heard some talking one day saying, "Well, they would give up the spirits? They didn't like to this at to begin with. There was no sacrifice at all. However, throughout the years, Christians have done all kinds of things to bruise themselves, to hurt themselves in honor of Christ in some way. There are those that have beat themselves with whips for the sake of Christ. A, a useless thing. Uh, they have slept out in the cold and wrapped the very clothes to badger themselves. They fasted until they almost starved to death. Every year, Christmas, at least a timeline. I'm disturbed to find the people in the Philippines that nailed themselves up to the cross, thinking that somehow that's going to honor God. But the whole point of sacrifice is doing it so that God might be glorified and useless things don't count. Neither do petty sometimes give up. I'm going to use myself as an illustration here because I give up many things sometimes. Almost all of my life I have given a time, even when I wasn't very close to God, I always do to belong to God. I, I would feel really guilty if I didn't give the time award because that's God's money. But I'll be honest with you, throughout all the years, it's never been a sacrifice. Even when relatively, uh, there were times as a pastor that I didn't make a lot of money, had pretty small kids, but I never really suffered, and neither did my family. Not really the sacrifice. And then Christ said that we are to go to all the world and preach the gospel. And I preached all over, different places. Uh, in one church, I was a couple of hours away from my home the and my mother and father were. It a couple of hours to of drive there. That was a little bit of distance. No sacrifice. I even went to South Dakota. Now, the sacrifice there was awfully cold. <laughs> and I didn't get to see my family as much, but I still got to see them. i really a sacrifice. Went to Canada. Actually, where I was in Canada and had more than the day in South Dakota, South Dakota only has a barbed bar wire fence between it and Canada and there's nothing to the wind. It was not as cold when I was in Canada. I didn't really sacrifice. Sacrifice means that you're willing to give up anything. You're willing to give up your will of the will of God. That's what Jesus did. He was willing to give up everything he gave up all the riches of heaven, the Bible tells us, and he came down to earth And he lived as a man pretty much in poverty all of his life, always doing the will of God. And listen, when he faced what he knew was going to be torture and suffering on the cross in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed, really, you didn't want to go through that more than you and I would want to go through it. And so he, he prayed, he said, if it's possible, take this cup from me. And then he said, nevertheless, my will will be done. Thy will be done. Willing to deny everything, even going to the cross. Willing to make any sacrifice. F.B. Meyer was a preacher of another age, but at one time in his ministry, he felt he had no power. He was not really accomplishing anything. He was wondering why he was doing all of this. And so he began to pray. And he said, uh, the, the words came to him very clearly uh, Give me the keys to all the rooms of your life. And so he said, He actually reached into his pocket, he called out his keys to all the rooms of God. He said, God seemed to say to him, Those all the keys to all the rooms. He said, him, Yes, Lord. Except for one room. One key to one room. He said, God seemed to speak to me. You can't give me all the keys that I want done. He pictured Christ actually walking away. And so he said, No, Lord. I will give you all the keys to all the rooms of my life. I surrender everything unto you. Deny yourself. Secondly, he said, Think of the cross. In the New Testament, the disciples understood what crucifixion was. The Romans devised this as the most painful way that they could imagine to torture someone. First, was they cross. Oh, sometimes stayed there for two or three days while they slowly died. They would try to pick themselves up to breathe. And then they had to let go because they were so tired. Uh, they were exposed. They would have fever, a fever from the infection. They were out in the sun, the cold at night. They suffered. This last week I was reading about Julius Caesar. I wondered why I was reading that out. But I was reading about him, and on one occasion he was captured by the pirates. And they were going to save him for a ransom. And he said, uh, you're not asking enough. So they raised it. And he was talking to them, joking and laughing with his captors. And, Uh, While the ransom was being raised, and said, You know, when all this is over, I'm going to come get you and crucify all of you. Everybody out. Well, he was ransomed. He raised an army. He would have captured those pirates, and every one was crucified. Jesus said, Take up the cross. Jesus took his own cross. The only one, I guess, that literally took the Christ cross was Simon the Cyrene. After Jesus was weak from being beaten, tortured, a crown of thorns upon the head, and whips across his back, he stumbled, and Simon the Cyrene was called a carrier. You and I are called to carry the cross as well. That means, I believe, that you need to be willing even to give your own life. If that is required. In the New Testament, it was. Probably every one of the disciples ended up dying in the service of Christ. They were willing to give everything. In John six sixty six, 66, uh, there's a there's a curious warning. It says many of them turned away. Uh, they were happy with Jesus as long as he healed them, as long as he gave, gave them food, feeding the five thousand and others. But as he began to talk about commitments, many of them turned away. And I was in seminary. I learned that they were actually quite a few Baptists. You know, Bill and I from a Baptist background, although he was influenced more about the Baptists.
1: Nevertheless,
0: uh, these people, they actually, nobody, nobody converted them to become Baptists. They just started reading the Bible and became Baptists. Somebody said, they if send a fool in the woods with a Bible, they'll come out a Baptist every time. <laughs> Anyway, there was a group of these, uh, these Baptists and they were worshipping together. And some soldiers broke in and during the time that the Soviets were persecuting the Christians, these, these soldiers said, look, we don't really want anybody to suffer. So we're going to give you a check. You can renounce Christ, and you can walk out the door. And so they did. Almost everybody. Only six people sitting behind so the soldiers went and they, they locked the doors and they closed all the windows. And they said to them, We have become Christians too. But we didn't want to tell that to anybody who was not truly committed as a Christian. They were willing to die for that faith. These six, six only. Uh, Deny yourself, Jesus says, take up your cross, and then he says to follow me. And uh 1 Peter 2 21. It says, To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Your whole life is to be surrounded with the presence of Christ, the Holy Spirit living and working in you. So everything you do, you do as though Christ were doing you. Follow me. Some 500 years ago, Thomas Aquinas wrote a book called The Imitation of Christ. And this last week I was just reading a little bit of it. We have about 100 items in it. I can try to read them all. but I've noticed some of the headings. And one of them was imitating the love of Christ. Another was imitating the humility of Christ. Following him. Walking with him. Giving up everything in order to do that kind of activity <clears> to <throat> follow him. about a man of Abraham Derring during the time of the slavery at the St. Thomas Idol. And his goal was to preach to all the slaves there. But when he got there, he found out it was illegal. They didn't want a free person preaching to a slave. They were afraid the slaves might learn too much and rebel. And so it was illegal. And so Finally, he wrote a letter to the governor, asking that he be made a slave, with the only stipulation being that he would be allowed to preach to the other slaves. The governor took the letter and sent it to the king of Denmark, and he was so touched by it, he gave a dispensation so that he could preach the black, white, slave, free, without limits. He was willing. To Follow Christ even as a slave, in order to fulfill the commission of Christ given to you. First of all, there is a cost, the cost of following Christ. And secondly, there is more. What shall profit a man, a person? He shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul. And what will a man give in exchange for his soul?
1: What exactly is a soul
0: worth? Is it worth the things that this world has to offer? The fact is that Satan doesn't have to give kingdoms to everybody, but nobody who's ever lived has control over the world. Now you remember when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness by Satan, the third temptation was, he took him to a high place, showed him all kingdoms of the world and said you can have all this if you bow down and worship me because jesus came into the world as son of the kingdom and he was going to be given all this all the kingdoms without any effort without any suffering without any pain all he had to do was to worship satan jesus replied we shall worship the lord your god and whom only shall be serve ...all the of the world, the one God, the one Satan. He can move in all the different parts of the world, he wouldn't. There have been some that have conquered much of the world. But Alexander the Great was one in the 4th century B.C., His father, Philip, died and Alexander was only 18 years old. Alexander had trained all his life in the a He trained intellectually under Aristotle and the... New- with the, the military leaders and he took over at the age of 18 and he began conquest and he started conquering areas even his father was not able to conquer in Syria, Palestine, Egypt, Persia. he died in his early 30s and his one regret at that point was that uh, there was no, no, no world to conquer and he wept over that and he also wept he was, he was an alcoholic on one occasion, when he was drunk, he threw a spear his best friend and killed him. Greedy over that. When Alexander died, his kingdom did not continue. It was divided among four generals, and priests never again attained that kind of empire. And was Julius Caesar. For a while he and Pompeii and another died kind of ruled in Rome, but then Julius Caesar had some debts. And so the way to get out of debt and get away from it was to go to war. And so he began conquest, first of all, in Spain and he built the bridge in Germany and conquered that. Eventually went on to England and took a long time, but he conquered them as well. And he became the most popular man in all the world. So popular that the Senate in Pompeii told him to disband his army and to come back to Rome. Now he knew that if he did that, he'd be in trouble. So he took his army and went to the Rubicon River in the bar. And he had no other choice for him. And so he said, I came, I saw, I conquered, we need you. And he went down to Rome and he, he conquered Rome in the Civil War. Then he wiped out all of his enemies and he started conquering other lands. Uh, unfortunately, some people called him too much power. And on the Ives of March, the 15th of March, he was killed, and that was led by one that had been a friend, Bruce. He died, but his kingdom did not last for another three or four hundred years. But it fell apart. As well, nothing that Satan ever gives lasts forever. Probably one of the greatest conquerors in all history, at least in land was Genghis Khan. He was a Mongolian. And you you think, well, that's kind of strange to have such a commander come from the steppes of Mongolia where all they have are horses and people with uh, with bows and arrows. But he developed new techniques for conquering the. At the time in England, the soldiers could travel 15 miles or so a day. His men on horseback could travel 100 miles. They had little boats, very powerful, and so he began to conquer all of China, most of Asia, and uh, then all the areas surrounding. It. Eventually, his son began using the same techniques that went into um, parts of Europe and they started conquering them. The only thing that stopped them was that his son died and all the leaders went back to Mongolia to decide who their next leader was going to be. When they tried to come back again later, the Europeans had learned their lessons and knew how to fight them, and so they were not able to conquer. These people, given most of the world, what shall it profit a man he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Most often, Satan doesn't have to do us all of that. Anymore. What's been the most important thing in your life? Is it acquiring money? Acquiring fame? Uh, being well respected? Is it pride? Whatever it is, sometimes that's all he has to offer. Person. And many people accept that view. In the 16th century, there was uh there were legends about Dr. Faustus, who called him Faust the English. And according to the legends, he was very ambitious. And, and so Satan came to him and made him an all. He said, I'll give you everything you want for 24 years. But then i take your soul. So a sign, in his own blood, after 24 years, one of Satan's minions worked with it and gave him everything that he asked for it. the came a pain to him, <coughs> After 24 years, it was an earthquake and his soul was taken. How sad to think, many times we were really to give all that we have, all that we are, some drive in our lives that is not according to the will of God, and we are not prepared to make a bargain with God. the What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? And then finally, Jesus concludes here and he said, in the verse where he says, if you confess me before men, I will confess you before my heavenly father. But if you deny me before men, I will deny you before my heavenly father. In Mark's verse he says, If you are ashamed of me before men, I will be ashamed of you before my heavenly father. I was reading about the LC Hester, a Christian, Houston he area. And he was a plumber. But he really considered his job to be a Christ. And he was called on a witnessing plumber. And he would go and he would do plumbing work in people's houses. and God gave him an opportunity to share Christ. It said that he won hundreds of people to Christ. I am not ashamed of you jail. Know Gracious Lord God. Thank you for bringing us together. Thank you for speaking, telling us the things that we need to do to our lives. Although many of us are getting older, the preoccupation that we have is so the that need to pray that you might give us the grace to do one we you might say, well anyway, you. Would you have a you. Yeah.